All right, Benton, it's over. No more session, no more lawmaking, at least for this year. What are you doing next? I wish I had some awesome, exciting vacation I was going on, but I would say my first priority is definitely going to be catch up on sleep. How about you? I have some holes in my backyard that I need to finish digging for agricultural purposes, landscaping. But I was asking this around the Capitol the other day, actually, and heard a lot of this kind of answer. I'm going to sleep a little bit. <laughs> and then I've got to start digging a hole to build a house. Yep. No, I, I this is Pride Month, so I have a lot of uh, appointments and commitments already. I mean, it's all, my calendar's full of a whole bunch of stuff. But I have, I have to do yard work, so... Can't, I can't get out of here until probably August. Then after the weekend, my wife and I are going to take a three-day trip to Taos, New Mexico to just get some R&R. From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Benta Berkland. And I'm Andrew Kenny. As you can tell, apparently all these lawmakers have pretty much the same plans as us. Right. We are now in the aftertimes. The legislative session officially adjourned Tuesday night. Their work is over for now, for a little bit. And lawmakers actually finished the legislative session a few days ahead of schedule. We are recording this on Wednesday at lunchtime. And I want to hope, I'm pretty sure nothing will really change by the time you're listening to this. And you are getting the benefit of totally loopy purplish hosts after a late night conclusion to the session. That's right. And we've talked about this before, but the end of every legislative session is especially hectic. People work these extremely long hours throughout session, but definitely those last few days. The minority party will will do what they can to try to delay things. Mm -hmm. And I actually started asking lawmakers that I was talking to, how do they cope with these final days? So I've been doing really good. I've been getting up at mostly at 6 a.m. every morning and walking, right? But, you know, during these last couple weeks of session, that's really tough to do. Getting plenty of sleep, trying to stay in uh, in normal year-round regimen, so not uh, throwing proper eating out the window. It's just like counting down the minutes till you can get to your bed. I think it's been that and Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke brings me joy and a pillow and a comforter. And one other coping strategy that I heard was Xbox. A lot of Xbox for David Ortiz, representative. Kind of funny to think about all these major state laws getting shaped and pushed across the line by people who are basically on their last legs of Cherry Coke. (laughs) Well, we're going to get into that and really wrap up the session and unpack what actually happened with a lot of these bills we've been talking about for months, since hopefully everyone has listened to our in-depth coverage I'm and sure every episode of Purplish, right? <laughs> no one missed an episode. I don't think you've even listened to every episode of Purplish. That's, that's actually true. <laughs> so. so I want to get through this kind of quickly, but just going through some of those major items. Okay. Let's see how fast we can do it. First up, that giant transportation bill you were covering, pass or fail? Giant transportation, pass. That's $5 billion for roads, transit, electric vehicle transition, and that's mostly paid for by new fees. Now it's your turn. Gun laws, what happened? Yes, everything Democrats introduced passed. Six bills in total, more than I think the state's ever done in a single year. 
now public option, which isn't public option anymore, right? Okay, you said quickly. It did pass. It was different than what they introduced. They amended, 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 and we ended up with a new health insurance plan that you'll be able to buy that will hopefully be cheaper and better. And then we had tax reform to eliminate tax breaks for wealthy Coloradans and businesses Mm -hmm. and sending some of that money to lower income families and smaller businesses. Where did that end up? Ended up passing. Uh, It looks like it's going to be a law without any big changes. Remarkable because the last time they did this much smaller attempt, it was a political storm. And there was like hardly a mention this time. All right, your turn again. Criminal justice reform. Mixed bag. Democrats definitely passed some significant bills, one that restricts when EMTs can use ketamine, which is a sedative, on someone being arrested. Uh, Another measure expands the police reform bill lawmakers passed last year. One that reformers were really focused on, though, would have cut down on arrests and jail time for lower level crimes. That failed at the very end. Yeah. And let's zoom in on that one in particular, because I thought that was a really kind of revealing surprise right at the end of the session. How did the backers take it? What did they say? When it went over to the House on the like the night before session's going to end, you know, backers of the measure said they knew certain lawmakers in the House had concerns about it, but they didn't think it would actually fail in committee. I talked to Senator Pete Lee. He was shell-shocked that it failed. But did you break the news to him? No, actually, it was another reporter who was on the Senate floor Ah. went over and asked him. I was standing right there, so he had no idea when when the person came up to him. He's like, what? And and what Senator Lee said is he thought there were going to be amendments in the House Mm -hmm. and that it would get out of that committee, and they tried to figure that out. So he said he was extremely disappointed, and um, I'm I'm sure it's something a lot of Democrats will want to bring back in some form next legislative session. Can we tell yet whether it didn't have enough votes in the overall body or whether it was just the case of the Democrats in that specific committee didn't like it? I didn't do a vote count. I guess I would be surprised if it couldn't get out of the House because you can lose quite a few Democrats in that chamber and still pass something. But Mm. sometimes that's up to the leadership of the House, whether they want to, quote, bring the floor fight, if you will, Mm -hmm. because if things get out of committee... Um, then you're having a big discussion on the floor. You know, Republicans are going to oppose this bill. So there, there's a lot of dynamics going on. That was definitely a surprise. That criminal justice bill was apparently a bridge too far, at least this year. One other bill that we've talked a lot about throughout this session and that also ran into some end-of-year drama was on climate change. Yep, that's a bill that would um, set specific targets for greenhouse gas emissions for certain industries and may have been the most negotiated bill of the session between Democrats in the majority and Governor Jared Polis. They eventually reached a compromise. It ended up being the final bill voted on during the session. So I think that's because it took Democrats so long to reach this agreement. But the final floor vote took longer than people expected. Yep, that's right. I was sitting in the House waiting for this bill to come over from the Senate. We heard the cheers go up in the Senate because they had finished over there. And I don't know, I guess I thought maybe this final bill would show up, they would vote it through. But because of all those last minute negotiations and somersaults, it had changed a ton. And Republicans were saying that they hadn't had enough time to read through it, basically, and they were insulted and didn't feel like this is the proper process. 
So it turned into this three-hour, basically a filibuster that produced some truly remarkable turns of phrase. I want to play for you, first of all, Mike Weissman, a Democrat, introducing the bill, the amendments, and saying why they should pass and giving us a little bit of a history lesson. If you stop and think about it, in a way we're not even supposed to be here. We're in a high desert. We get less than 20 inches of rain in a year. But we are here. There's almost six million of us now. We have an increasingly populous, increasingly popular state in the middle of a desert. Mile from here, we've raised up canyons of glass and steel in the middle of a state otherwise framed by canyons of red rock. And then that just sparked off this long discussion that went all over the place. And here's Republican Representative Richard Holtorf with his very poetic counterpoint. In this vast wasteland that some people claim was unsurvivable, there were cowboys that looked out on that grassy plain and said, looky there, look at the grass out in that sandhill country or that high plateau country. I bet we can raise cattle, we can raise sheep, we can raise other livestock on that. And they were not wrong. So you can imagine, you know, it's like five o'clock on the last day. This is the only thing standing between all these lawmakers and getting out of there. And this went on for like three more hours. You can kind of imagine the faces around the room. Although I did appreciate some of those turns of phrase. I definitely sense frustration. But as I was saying, people, it actually wasn't the last day. I mean, Democrats decided to make it the last day, but lawmakers had till Saturday to finish. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's required under the state constitution. So... Most other sessions, the last day really is the last day. And yeah. if you delay something past midnight, you know, it fails. And that's why this filibuster really didn't go that long. It went three extra hours, essentially. It didn't go till midnight because Republicans knew that Democrats had run the calendar well enough that they had so much time to spare that it would be impossible to actually kill the bill. So they made their point and then they let it go. In a lot of ways, this felt like three sessions combined in one. First, you had all the federal COVID relief pandemic response. Then you had the regular session and all the bills people wanted to introduce. And then you had all the bills that lawmakers were not able to introduce or pass last session because last session was halted because of COVID-19. They came back later to pass some very essential things. But not everything got through that people wanted to, to see pass. And then in contrast to last session, we saw that this session was the one where Democrats really got something done on almost all of their priorities. And it really seemed like they were settling into having the majority and figuring out how to, whatever cliche you want, push the ball, move the needle on all the topics that they care about. I think that's true. I mean, yes, there were a few disappointments. I didn't talk to any Democrat who didn't feel like they'd really overall accomplished a lot of the things that they set out to do. Uh, Republican Senator Kevin Priola said it's pretty understandable that Democrats took this approach coming out of the November election, mm. maintaining such a wide majority, gaining an extra seat in the Senate. This isn't an election year. So we usually see those weightier bills. And he thinks with Democrats in power in Washington and in Colorado, the pendulum could change a little bit in 2022. Uh, that's the hope that I'm hearing from a lot of Republicans who feel like they could make some changes here and there on bills this session. But a lot of them feel like they were not given much of a chance, did not have the power to redirect what was happening. And 
you know, now they're hoping that basically voters will see how far Democrats went, see how all these fees and costs add up and punish them next year. One thing that was interesting when I talked to Republican Senator Jim Smallwood is that you know he had this philosophy that he doesn't think Democrats got as much done as he thinks they're going to say they did. Generally speaking, the bills were going to pass. They were going to be a political win for that party one way or the other, even if it meant really changing the bills, really watering the bills down. Well, I have a feeling that's not the message we'll see in campaign mailers from Republicans next year. They're going to be talking about democratic overreach, look how far the left went. I have a feeling that it may be too early, even in 2022, to really tell what all the effects of what happened this year were. I don't think that these new laws are going to be fully having effects on the economy and people's lives for a few years to come. I'll I'll be curious. I think we all will. What are the, the future political ramifications of this session? Some of these measures, you touched on the tax reform proposals, Um, I covered the gun policies. Hmm. There was debate, but it wasn't it wasn't as intense as any one of these things could have been in a previous session. Hmm. Um, And so I I found that pretty interesting. And I think you you are right. Some of these things are, are several years out and there's a little bit of news fatigue. I mean, these policies do impact people across the state in very, very significant ways. But People have busy lives, and it's there's just so much to keep track of. Well, you spoke to news fatigue, and I, I do think that that's probably one factor. There's also just the number of big things happening at the legislature and just nationally. So maybe people weren't that tuned in in a way that they would be in the past. The other thing is that some Republicans thought that they should have fought harder and more publicly or found a way to blow up the spot, basically. Really interesting turn of events after the last gavel went down. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. They had a caucus meeting. Yep, they didn't go to the bar. They went to the basement of the Capitol to hold a public meeting in which one representative, Ron Hanks, called for a vote of no confidence against House Minority Leader Hugh McKean. And this is part of like an ongoing schism kind of between your farther right lawmakers who I think wanted to see just a more combative style against Democrats and mm-hmm. McKean, who is more middle of the road, at least in terms of his tone. And he doesn't you know, talk a lot about culture war stuff. And he replaced as minority leader. He was new this session and replaced someone, Patrick Neville, who is to the right. Exactly. And so they were arguing that McKean should have been out there battling Democrats more and messing up their schedule and, and just being much more explicit in opposition. McKean's argument was that like he was winning concessions, winning victories while, while he could, but also working within the fact that Republicans are in a deep hole when it comes to being in power. Really dr- dramatic meeting. There were accusations flying around. You're the mole. Like You're the one leaking information. No, you're the hmm. one leaking information. And... Just a kind of some bare knuckle politicking. And McKean really whipped his caucus into shape and showed that he actually is in charge because in the end, 15 of his colleagues out of the 24 in the caucus decided that they weren't going to even entertain this attempt to overthrow him. They were going to stick with him. And so he said, all right, now now we're consolidated. Now you got, we'll, we'll try to address your concerns. And now all you dissenters get with the program, basically. Really uh, quite a epilogue for the session. Well, that definitely speaks to the challenges lawmakers face when they are in the minority and a pretty significant minority. There are also challenges, though, when you're in the majority. It doesn't mean you can just easily get everything passed that you want to have passed. So the biggest dynamic 
we heard about throughout the session was between the legislative branch and Governor Jared Polis. Mm -hmm. He and his team take a very, very hands-on approach to the legislature, working with members, making trying to you know, get people to vote the way they want them to vote. A significant departure from Governor John Hickenlooper and a lot of lawmakers remember working with him. And he was like, what did he always like to say? He didn't want to micromanage the legislature. Yeah, especially if you ask Senate Republicans, for example, they'll say that they sometimes felt like they were having to deal more with negotiating with Polis was a bigger challenge than negotiating with their actual counterparts in the Senate. Here's how uh, Barbara Kirkmeyer put it. Well, ruthless is probably a good word. I think it is amazing to me how content they are in succumbing to the will of the first floor. Democrats would, would see things differently. I think most of them see it as working together as a team while recognizing separate branches of government. That doesn't mean all Democrats at all times are going to be happy with the governor being heavy-handed or how the governor's office is approaching every piece of legislation. But I think that they feel like they worked with the governor's office on a lot of things very well. And when lawmakers are in line with the governor, having the governor's office be very engaged on the policy, they find extremely helpful. Well, one other thing I heard from Republicans was that they at this point hope that the worst of it is over for now. Basically, that Democrats will take it easy next year knowing that elections are coming up. No more big policies. Let's just cruise next session. Any chance you think of that happening? Uh, heading into an election year, you don't usually see quite as much. But I think we'll still see a lot of substantive things. And then keep in mind, we have close to $4 billion as a state that lawmakers will have to spend for the federal COVID relief. And that was one area where the legislature asserted itself and made sure that lawmakers were in charge of allocating that money. So there will be interim committees, bipartisan committees trying to craft policies. One of the earlier COVID relief packages, lawmakers weren't in session, and Governor Jared Polis allocated that money. So I, I do think the legislative branch on that issue really wanted to take the lead. Great. More state finance for me to pay attention to. It'll be a fun summer. Will it? Well, I have a, a wait, 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 wait moment. We heard at the top of the show people talking about what they do in those final days of session. And I talked to Democratic Representative Kathy Kipp, and I was really impressed that she wakes up at 6 a.m. and gets her walk in. But as she said, in the final days of session, she's been doing that walk around the Capitol. And I noticed that down on the first floor where the governor's office is, that he's got all this furniture stacked up. And so there's this furniture that's normally in this outer waiting area, but a lot of staff are working remotely. As I'm walking by and doing my laps, I'm like, we need to rearrange the furniture. We need to rearrange the furniture. So one night I grabbed like three of my colleagues and I went down to the first floor and we silently went in and we rearranged the furniture. So she said they did that every day. One day they went down there to do it and they noticed something sitting on a desk. Somebody the day before had left um, a copy of SB 21200, which was the bill that the governor had threatened to veto. So when we arranged it the next day after they left the bill down there, we put the bill on this desk here with a pen on top of it. We just thought it was funny. <laughs> Uh, so they were kind of poking at the governor's office 
saying, hey, maybe you would sign this bill. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that was one of the most negotiated bills of the session on, on climate. And, mm. you know, he threatened to veto it. But I, I thought that was pretty clever. That is one of the nerdiest and lowest stake pranks I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, I also wanted to share a moment. It happened while I was in Hugh McKean, the House Minority Leader's office, I noticed a big pink piece of paper on his desk. And to explain why it's important, you have to know that he had introduced a bill that was meant to give people more authority over their data that the state government holds, allowing them to kind of get a report and to potentially have some of it purged from the databases. When you introduce a bill like that, the state agencies go and try to figure out what would it cost to implement it. That's why I have a pink piece of paper that has a $2.7 billion number and 6,800 FTE, full-time equivalent employees. This is when you know that, that an organization does not want you to do what you want to do. So the state basically told Humakeen that he would need to come up with several billion dollars and employ thousands of people to do what he was trying to say. And you can question whether or not that was realistic, but it was definitely an eye-popping number, maybe one of the highest he said that anyone's gotten on a fiscal note. Could be a smart way to uh, defeat a bill. Hmm. That is it for this week's episode. And that concludes this season of Purplish. We'll be back in your feeds again before too long, though, so keep an eye out for us. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleague, Benta Berkland. You can find us online. On Twitter, I'm at Benta Berkland. And I'm at Andy KNNY. This is Purplish from CPR News. Ooh, and we forgot to tell people what happened with the missing rubber band ball from the Senate last week. Oh, yes. I, you know, I've been on pins and needles, Andy. Okay, you gen- no. genuinely <laughs> don't care about this, and that's okay. <laughs> it magically reappeared. I understand that Senator Chris Hansen is the prime suspect and that he departed to Mexico. <laughs> and then, as per tradition, the two rubber band balls from both parties were dropped many feet down the Capitol, down the middle of the building, and uh, they bounced, and I think the Republicans won. 